listening to Prince George's Community Station 93.1 CFIS-FM, proudly sponsored by local businesses like Integris Credit Union at 5th and Central downtown and in the Riverpoint Mall. Prince George five-day forecast from Environment Canada for today: sunny, a high of 18 with a high UV index. Tonight, increasing cloudiness, a low of 10. On Tuesday, cloudy, the 40% chance of showers. Rain in the afternoon with wind from the south at 20k, a high again of 18. Then sunny on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday with lows near 5 and highs around 20. The long-range forecast for Saturday: a mix of sun and cloud with a 30% chance of showers, a low of 8, a high of 23. And Sunday, cloudy, the 60% chance of showers, a low of 9 and a high of 21. It's time now for After 9 on 93.1 CFIS FM. Good morning and welcome to the Monday edition of After 9. Uh, my name is Stuart Parker. I'm the, uh, well, slightly less new host. I was the brand new host uh, last Monday. This, uh, this time we're doing our second broadcast. And uh, as promised last week, 
We're going to be trying to go into a little more depth in uh, the issues and people we cover. And this week we're focusing on um, voices on or near the left uh, during the uh, federal election. Um, for the first half of our program, we'll have uh, NDP candidate for Caribou Prince George, Heather Sapergia. And for the second half, we'll have uh, Green Party candidate Mackenzie Kerr. So... Um, uh, we're going to be trying to get into some national issues, some local issues, but of course the first thing we want to get into is uh, giving, um, welcoming Heather to the show and giving her an opportunity to introduce herself. Oh, thanks, Stuart. Um, I'm not the guinea pig then because you were on last week. <laughs> uh, I've been, I'm a longtime local resident, I was telling Stuart. I've been here since 1977. Uh, my partner and I and two little babies came up here for for my work, uh, and we've not looked back. We've loved living here. We're very engaged in the community. Both of us do a, lo a lot of volunteer work. Uh, I worked for Northern Health for 37 and a half years as a med lab tech, and then I thought I had retired in 2014. Uh, the College of New Caledonia uh, uh, offered me uh, what they said was a quote-unquote part-time job teaching in the med lab technology program. And of course, part-time as a teacher is never part-time. Uh, but I did that for three years. I just retired from there in April 2018. Uh, and I was proud of both my jobs. Uh, I look out in the community and I see the students that I taught both at the hospital and at CNC go out and go on to wonderful careers. And I'm still in touch with many of them throughout the North. Uh, our, both our daughters uh, went from here to university because it, at that time there was no UNBC. Uh, so they went off to university. Uh, they came back. Our family doubled because they both brought partners back with them and assorted pets. Uh, both our daughters have opened up their own uh, businesses here in Prince George and both their businesses are thriving so um, now you've been uh, you've been around for mm -hmm. uh, for some time. Why why this election? Why did you choose to intervene as a candidate this time around? Well, that's the most common question I've been asked in the last since I decided to run. I've been very involved in local politics for a number of years. Uh, in the second to last municipal election before the election rules changed, uh, and you can no longer accept corporate and business donations, the Canadian Labour Congress hired me to stick-handle 18 candidates throughout the North, including Fort St. James, McBride, Williams Lake, Prince George, Quinnell, uh, Tumbler Ridge, Hudson Hope. And so that gave me my first taste of, of helping out in a campaign. I wasn't their campaign managers, but what I did was I was able to connect them with different uh, things that they needed, like, for example, buttons um, and postcards and media. And then from there, I went on to assist in this last municipal election, supporting a number of progressive candidates on Prince George City Council. Uh, I've worked as a door knocker in the last two provincial elections and the last federal election. In the last provincial election, I was the campaign manager for Bobby Deepak, who was running for the NDP. So along comes this election, and Bobby says to me, well, it's time for you to give back. And I thought, yeah, it is. I'm going to co-lease all the 
um, experience that I've had, my fingers in the community, and my values. And my values said that I am NDP. Right. So um, Prince George and Kamloops um, used to be what we'd call bellwether ridings. Mm -hmm. It used to be that the way those places went, that was how BC was going to go and Mm -hmm. possibly the country. And um, these were tightly fought places between uh, especially the conservatives and NDP, liberals often taking a back seat. But uh, since 1993, that's really changed. Um, the last, the best result the NDP has seen here uh, since uh, Brian Gardner was defeated mm-hmm. in 93 mm-hmm. was uh, 30% in 2011. Mm-hmm. So I'm interested not just in what you're doing to deal with that, but what's your explanation for how Prince George went from being a bellwether, close, close riding in the 70s and 80s to a riding that's usually a conservative blowout now? And I don't really have an answer for that. But when you look at the when you look at the map of British Columbia, provincially and federally, you'll see that there's a streak that runs right down the middle, right from the Yukon border, right down to the lower mainland. That's all conservative. And when I'm saying conservative, I'm calling the provincial liberals conservative as well. Uh, so, and I don't and I don't know the answer to your question. But what my goal is is to change that change it back to being a more progressive, left-leaning riding. So, um, obviously, there are a lot of different approaches to that, especially Mm -hmm. within your party, uh, which used to be my party. It was Mm -hmm. my party for uh, 18 straight, 17 straight years. Um, And... uh, I was at the uh, the last um, uh, provincial convention, 2017, mm-hmm. after John Horgan became government. Talked with um, Harry Lolly, mm-hmm. former uh, member of the legislature, who um, you know strongly be- uh, who had one set of ideas about mm-hmm. how to turn things around by being more pro development, more pro industry, things like that. Um, on the flip side, uh, some people are saying the reason the party's lost touch is that it's too pro-development, too pro-industry, mm-hmm. has lost touch with its base. Um, both of those voices are very strong voices within the party. We saw that play out during the federal leadership race that selected Jagmeet Singh. So let me apply this question okay. locally. There's a plastics plant that's being proposed for um, for this city. Mm-hmm. Um, where do you stand on the plastics plant? Okay, so I just had a meeting with the fellow who's the CEO. Uh, uh, his last name is James. Uh, I had an hour meeting with him in Bobby D. Pack's uh, office. Bobby is the a local lawyer, uh, and I listened, Ken James, and I listened to his presentation. Um, I've been listening and reading a lot from a group of people who are posting studies about the impacts of that kind of plant uh, on a community. My stance is that I'm in favor of the plant when he talks about a thousand jobs, and I think that's a realistic number that with the downturn in the forestry, we really need to be able to keep people in this community. Otherwise, we're not going to thrive. So the concept of the plastics plant, uh, I think, is positive. What does concern me is where they propose to put it. They propose to put it in the BCR industrial site. I do know, as a former healthcare worker, 
uh, the impacts of bad air on people. We have a very high rate of lung uh, problems here. Uh, I can't remember the COPD, congestive pulmonary disease. The impact of the bad air shed here uh, is part of the reason that that is true. So if we do go through with this concept, and at the moment, I believe it's only a concept because I did not hear from Mr. James any concrete um, parts to the plan. Uh, it cannot go in the, in the bowl. It must go outside. And in 2008, the regional district and the city of Prince George um, had a study done uh, about the uh, impact of the air quality in the bowl, and it was not very good. It was very, it said that we are at max of what we can put here. So they recommended three outside areas, uh, one of which is called the Heart North up at Salmon Valley. I believe that if we have this plastic plant, it needs to go there. All right, so um, Jagmeet Singh, mm -hmm. um, and let me let me full disclosure. Okay, I touted Jagmeet Singh as the guy who was going to become the leader of the federal party way back in 2010. I talked mm -hmm. this guy up for mm -hmm. um, years before anybody out west had heard of him. Um, now he hasn't exactly turned out to be the guy I thought he would be. He's a different sort of guy than I thought mm -hmm. he than I thought he was in some ways. One of the things that people criticized him for is um, that under pressure, he'll switch his position on an issue. And one of those issues recently was fracking. Mm. Um, okay. Jagmeet uh, was um, not opposed to fracking until um, the NDP lost the Nanaimo by-election. Mm -hmm. And the day after, he uh, announced that the party is opposed to fracking. How can you support the plant given that a hundred percent of its intake will be fracked? Yes. Okay. I I hear I see I hear your point. Uh, I think that uh, Jugmeat must have had somebody go and say to him from within the party, "We can't do this fracking." If we look at the results of the fracking up in the northeast cor corner of British Columbia, the Montnoy uh, gas shale, and the number the increased number of earthquakes up in that area and down around Fort St. John, I personally do not. Uh, believe that fracking is the way to go and that it, what it leaves behind is poisoned fluids that never go away. But, but the business plan is okay. solely based on fracking increases. There okay. is no material that's going into that plant other than fracked natural gas. The argument that they've made to get investment for the plant is that because the number of fracked wells is going to keep increasing in the piece by about 200 per year because of the, uh, of the LNG plants that have been mm -hmm. approved, because there's now this going to be this massive increase in fracked gas, there's going to be a supply for the plant. There is no, there's nothing that flows into this plant that isn't fracked at this point. And as we know, 23% of Canada's emissions are from simply the process of fracking. So yeah. it affects our climate commitment as well. So currently, like there was never a plan to have a plastics plant here. The only reason it's become a viable business is because of the overabundance of fracked natural mm -hmm. gas. Yes, and I and I hear what you're saying. Um, the plastic plant is still a plan. 
It's not a concrete plan at the moment. Uh, and I also think my own feeling that frack gas is a, a no-no, that we should be moving away from frack gas. And, and if we're going to be extracting it, we need to be changing the way we're extracting it. I know that the province of Quebec and the province of New Brunswick no longer allow fracking in gas. So why are we not in British Columbia following that same pathway? And I think this this raises the last of the, the tough questions before okay. our first break, which is um, you I, you could reference a, a speech by Michelle Mungal. Michelle mm-hmm. Mungal yep. stood before the legislature and said, no party in that wants to win an election in this province will ever oppose fracking. It is political suicide to oppose fracking. The NDP will always support fracking. Um, it was a very interesting real politic answer because it didn't mm-hmm. directly answer some questions. But one of the problems is that although the NDP has never been in power federally, and the last time they were included in a government was more than 13 years ago, you do have a provincial NDP government. And to what degree do you run on your their record? To what degree do you distance yourself from them? How do you stick handle that really complex relationship between the federal and provincial levels as a candidate? And that's a good question because, full disclosure, I'm on the provincial uh, NDP executive here in this riding, and I'm on the federal NDP executive here in this riding. There are things I agree with federally and things I agree with provincially. So stick handling it is a tough job. Uh, Personally, I do not support fracking. And if I am elected as the MP, and even if I'm not elected, I'll be on Mr. Singh's case to make sure that we stand up to that commitment to not allow any more fracking in British Columbia. But will you be on Michelle Mungal's case and John Horgan's case oh, yes. wearing your other hat? They know who I am. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, that's um, well. I think that that's uh, that's uh, that's a uh, that's an honest, uh, heartfelt approach, and it's something that. Um, uh, you know, and uh, it's something that New Democrats have had to wrestle with in Western Canada for quite some time. And uh, but this is a federal election. And so when we come back from the break, we're going to be returning to some uh, exclusively federal issues or issues that at least should be exclusively federal. And we'll be uh, talking about the most important issue to you in this election, which will be pharmacare. When I came to Prince George a year and a half ago as an international student, everything was so new to me. New country, new culture, and new people. Prince George welcomed me with open arms. And now I am giving back with a new show celebrating our multicultural community. It's a half hour dedicated to the diversity of Prince George. Tune in for Mosaic with me, Manmeet, Monday nights at 7, only here on 93.1 CFIS-FM. Shopping local is great for our economy. Buying local goods from local retailers is even better. Ave Maria and Mother Maria's Market carry a wide variety of local products, including meat, produce, beauty care, and honey. Customers rave about mixed lettuce, basil, and vegetables from Northern Bioponics and Tut Farms. Try locally sourced meats like fish and beef, plus unpasteurized Be Lazy or Sweet Nachaco Honey. Featuring quality products from across Northern BC, Ave Maria on 20th and Mother Maria's Market in the Bon Voyage Plaza. Healthy products 
for body, mind, and soul. Boston Pizza presents Pasta Tuesdays, where their 13 gourmet and create-your-own pastas start at just $8.99. But if you prefer, you can call it Fettuccine Carbonara Tuesday, or Chicken Cannelloni Tuesday, or Baked Shrimp and Feta Penne Tuesday, or Salmon Alfredo Linguini with an Extra Meatball Tuesday. I can't wait for that one. With delicious hearty pastas starting at $8.99, Tuesdays will never just be called Tuesdays again. Boston Pizza, here to make you happy. Forecast from Environment Canada for today's sunny, a high of 18 with a high UV index. Tonight, increasing cloudiness, a low of 10. On Tuesday, cloudy, the 40% chance of showers. Rain in the afternoon with wind from the south at 20K and a high again of 18. It's after 9 on 93.1 CFIS All right, so we're FM. back with uh, Heather Supergia here on uh, After 9. And... Um, uh, one of the um, important things in this election is uh, health care policy, and that's um, her area of expertise. So I wanted to ask um, National Pharmacare. We have proposals from Liberals. We have proposals from Greens. We have proposals from New Democrats. Um, what, um, what makes the New Democratic Party's proposal on Pharmacare distinctive? Why are you standing behind that one? Because it's a concrete proposal. The the universal pharmacare, what it what it would mean? We're the only, first of all, we're the only um, country with a public health care system that does not have uni- universal pharmacare. So the new Democrat um, policy for universal pharmacare would save approximately four billion dollars a year. And so people said to me, they've asked me, well, are you raising my taxes? And I said, no, don't raise, we don't have to raise your taxes to save $4 billion. But it's like, it's the term economy of scale. So instead of BC buying their drugs and Alberta and Saskatchewan, we would have a national pool that would purchase drugs from the pharmacare, from the big pharma. So that's where we would save the money because if you go to the corner store and you buy a chocolate bar and it's a buck fifty, right? If you go to superstore and you buy a box, you might get them for a dollar and a quarter. Same kind of principle. Uh, as a healthcare worker, I all often saw the effects of people who would turn up in emergency because they could not afford their medications, right? They couldn't afford the prescription they got from their doctor. For example, say uh, a a woman went in and she had a bladder infection. So she goes to the walk-in clinic and she gets a prescription, but she can't afford to fill that prescription, right? So she's off work. She's not able to take care of her kids as well. because she can't afford that medication. That is so wrong, in my opinion. I don't see universal pharmacare covering every single drug. That would be unrealistic, and uh, it would cover many of the most common drugs that people need, like the cholesterol-busting drugs, the diabetic drugs, uh, the blood pressure drugs, and antibiotics are some of the ones that, that are proposed to be covered under universal pharmacare. So right now, approximately 10% of Canadians cannot afford their medication because we do not have universal pharmacare. I think a lot of Canadians would be surprised to learn, for instance, that um, low-income people on Medicaid in the United States and seniors on Medicare in the United States have pharmacare. They do. That even in the country with the most egregious and appallingly bad health care system, uh, seniors actually have better access to medication than they do here in Canada. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm br- I bring in the United States to make another comparison. Um NDP is talking about a Green New Deal. 
Mm -hmm. um, uh, to deal with, um, you know, loss of employment during our energy transition mm -hmm. and um, making rapid changes to our energy grid. Um, Bernie Sanders, uh, much beloved by many Canadian mm -hmm. progressives and leftists, uh, announced his Green New Deal, which per capita spends more than 10 times as much money as um, the Green New Deal that the Canadian NDP is proposing. Um, what are your observations about this discrepancy? It seems like um, he's uh, talking about $16.2 trillion, and it doesn't seem like the NDP is anywhere near a per capita equivalent, which would be nearly $2 trillion. Why... Um, why are we doing a less ambitious Green New Deal? And if we were to do a more ambitious one, what would you put in it? Well, there is a big, big difference. And I'm going to wrap back to the medical plans. In Canada, we have a single payer medical plan, right? In the U.S., people are dependent on the health or on the insurers to give them health care. Uh, so that's one of the big differences between the two of us. Our Green New Deal is a step-by-step -step process to bring us up to certainly environmentally more friendly country. Uh, and that step-by-step -step process will get us there realistically. Does that answer your question? Well, is it unrealistic for Canada to, um, uh, to heavily invest at the scale that um, the left wing of the U.S. Democrats is proposing to invest? Like, um, I mean, it's a dangerous thing, right, to talk about how something might be too expensive, fiscally impractical or whatever. Um, is, is it just a matter of concern that we can't borrow enough money or we can't raise enough money that we're doing a much less ambitious Green New Deal than uh, people like Warren and Sanders are talking about? Okay, I think uh, one of the issues is that we need to, to, to pay for this. We need to hoop up the tax rate on big business and corporations. We also need to, and this, I got this, one of the people that I've been talking to, this was something that really made her hop around, is how much money is leaving this country and going into banks in the Cayman Islands, for example, and the Bahamas. So if the CRA, if the government can get, make the CRA and, and stop just uh, I was going to say pissing around, but stop pissing around <laughs> and actually do something about stopping the money leaving the country. This is, we're talking about billions here. Those, bil those billions could go into making this Green Deal work. Uh, yeah, absolutely could. And so one is, one is left with, um, you know, New Democrats have a great army of progressive candidates mm -hmm. like yourself with um, strong records in their community. Um Nationally, there's a platform, there's a leader. Um, some people are suggesting that um, that leadership and that platform is not as strong as they need to be. Um, and certainly Sven Robinson, who's mm -hmm. running down in Burnaby North mm -hmm. Seymour, um, is making that point with... Um, with, Jag, uh, with Jagmeet Singh. Um, do you see yourself as... How do you see yourself interacting with the leader and with the party brass in Ottawa? There's a Sven Robinson style of doing things. 
There's a, I would say in contrast, although mm -hmm. I, actually these are my two favorite MPs, but okay. um, there's the Don Davies style mm -hmm. of doing things, which is a, a much less confrontational. Mm -hmm. um, where would you situate yourself between those styles? I'm very much a one-on-one -on -one engager. So I'm, I'm actually going to have a conversation with Jagmeet on Saturday. Uh, I'm choosing not to fly to Vancouver and use all, those, all that carbon to fly down and meet with him. I am going to meet with him one-on-one uh, -on -one for a brief period of time over the phone. So I'm a storyteller. So what I'm going to do with Jagmeet is tell him stories about people I've met, things I've, I've observed in my life to push the things that I think that are progressive. I am not a confrontational leader. I'm an engager. All right. So um, uh, this is um, this is going to be a tough campaign. I know we didn't mm -hmm. get to all of the uh, all of the issues we wanted to talk about, um, but uh, hopefully um, we can get you back on the show during the RIT period and um, explore some of the things that you were telling me about to do with forestry transition employment, and also get into some issues I'd like to like the um, interurban transportation mm. network in I, Western Canada. I was hoping you were going to ask me that question because mm. that's one of my passions too because this impacts on the missing and murdered indigenous women and girls absolutely absolutely so we're going to go to our break and when we come back Mackenzie Kerr from the Green Party thank you so much Heather thanks Stuart all right scouting teaches us about the active role we can play in helping create a better world Scouting's programs focus on self-development, self-esteem, and developing leadership qualities. We are part of a worldwide commitment to peace and the environment. This is our vision for the future. One world, one promise, creating a better world. Call us now at 1-800-SCOUTS-NOW and check out the website at www.scouts.ca. The Indigenous Sport, Physical Activity and Recreation Council is looking for a communications coordinator for Team BC. The position is part of the support staff for Team BC's participation at the Halifax 2020 North American Indigenous Games and is temporary full-time employment through the end of next August. Full application details are available through the Team BC link at iSpark.ca. The iSpark Team BC communications coordinator for the 2020 North American Indigenous Games application deadline is 5 p.m. Wednesday. Hi, I'm Mark Madriga. One in three people know someone with Alzheimer's disease. Who do you know who's been affected? Make a difference in the fight against Alzheimer's by walking in the Investors Group Walk for Memories in your community. My family and I will be walking on the last Sunday in January in support of the Alzheimer's Society of BC. Register, join a team, or donate at walkformemories.com and let's get walking. I have a right to safety, I have a right to education, I have a right to my culture. Kids like me need to know about child rights and earlier age what to do about it. Today, the Canadian Council of Child and Youth Advocates asks you to make every day a day to stand up for children's rights in your life. If you are a young person who needs the help of an advocate, you can also find the advocate for your own province listed on cccya.ca. This is After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. 
Welcome back to uh, After Nine, the second half of our program. I'm speaking with uh, Mackenzie Kerr, the uh, Green Party candidate for Caribou Prince George. I'll be putting her through a similar but not identical set of uh, questions to the one we went through with NDP candidate uh, Heather Sapergia. So let me begin with the uh, the easy bit. Just um, uh, let us know a little bit of uh, your background and what brought you to uh, being uh, the Green candidate here in 2019. Thank you for having me on, Stuart. Um, so my name is Mackenzie. Um, I lived in Prince George for 13 years. Before that, I lived in the Yukon. And my degree is in forestry, going into my fifth year. And uh, my background is agriculture mainly. I was in 4-H for 13 years and very passionate about that raised swine, um, did the horse project, dog project, a lot of public speaking. I was the provincial ambassador for two years and the national ambassador for another two years. And with that, I really uh, learned that I really like leadership and public speaking. And then I was always the one that was asked to be an MC and lead group discussions and community involvement. So um, that's kind of what took me into politics. And I knew that uh, with forestry, I definitely am a people person and would rather be talking to people and do community engagement than be in the bush um, for for uh, by myself with my dog or something for uh, my career. So I know that I want to mix the two together. And my family's been in forestry for a long time. Um, yeah, locally, um, my stepdad works at the pulp mill and um, I worked there for the past three summers uh, at Northwood, just in stores. So inventory, a little bit of a behind the scenes um, uh, knowledge of what's happening there. So uh, yeah, that's that's a little bit of my background. My political interest started with mun uh, my interest in municipal politics. I was interested in the municipal election a couple years ago with Jillian Merrick, who was a huge inspiration for me and uh, is quite green now, sits on the provincial board. And um, people like Lara Beckett, who's a regional district director, have been super inspirational as well of doing politics differently and uh, being uh, respectful and staying strong in their in their opinions, if even if they aren't popular. So, yeah, I got to go to the NCLGA, which is the North Central Local Government Association convention in Terrace a couple years ago with mayor and council and learn how resolutions work and the back end of how things are brought to the provincial and federal government. So that really interested me. And I think now is definitely the time to run because we are in a climate crisis. And uh, I think that there aren't enough people bringing that issue forward and talking about it seriously. Um, so I think we need some someone from the local community that uh, definitely is not a career politician to be bringing these issues forward and representing the constituents to the fullest extent. Because um, as you know, the Green Party doesn't have whipped votes. So um, the Green Party representatives are the best representatives that we can get for our riding. So now you, you you did a slight left turn in that answer because I was trying to figure out. Um, obviously, um, there are some ridings uh, that the Greens have a really good shot at picking up this time. I uh, was one of the people who encouraged David Murner to seek a nomination down in Victoria, eagerly following what he's doing in the progress of his campaign. Um, you know. And in every province, in many provinces, right, there are solid target mm -hmm. ridings. And 
in nobody's list does Caribou Prince George <laughs> make that list. And so you're in a bit of a um, of a tough position there. How do you balance um, the first thing you said, which is about the need to raise the climate crisis, the need to insert yourself into the discourse, um, with affecting the outcome of the election with, um, for instance, do you, um, do you encourage people to, um, to vote uh, for you on election day because of the symbolic meaning of a green vote? Or do you encourage them to um, throw the vote to another party that has a better chance of uh, knocking off uh, the uh, current Tory MP? I think definitely encourage people to vote green because there is no better time to do that. We're seeing a green wave across the country and across the world right now uh, with getting greens elected. And uh, now that we have really proven that greens get elected, like Elizabeth May, Paul Manley, we have official opposition in PEI, some MPPs across the country. Um, people people just want hope that it's really possible because uh, people don't want to vote for someone that isn't going to win and we can win now. So now is the time. But the fact that one can win doesn't mean you can win in every riding, right? This yeah. is this is some tough, tough territory here. And certainly when, um, uh, you know, I, uh, when I ran for the Greens, the 96th municipal election in Vancouver, we got a star mayoral candidate. We got uh, council candidates who would go on to win elections. But the immediate effect mm -hmm. of our campaign was um, that, every single left and progressive candidate lost because the vote was so split. Mm -hmm. And it caused me to profoundly reevaluate how I was conducting myself as I was then the leader of the Provincial Green Party. And the result was that um, three years later, we came back in coalition with parties we had run against, and all of us increased our seat total together. So I think that... Um, there are definitely times to make that break, to be a David Murner or somebody. Mm -hmm. But in this seat, um, how would you feel if you produce that kind of outcome that I inadvertently produced a generation ago, where it turned out that Heather was way closer and you might be the uh, you might have denied her the margin of victory? <laughs> so. I think it's really important for people to vote their conscience and um, vote for who they believe will be the re best representative for them in their riding. And in my opinion, that is a green member of parliament. That would be myself. And I know that there are uh, a lot of people say there's a slim chance, but I think if there was any time, it would be now. So I think people need to... Um, just learn about who I am and I can listen to the issues and I'm extremely excited to learn and listen to the issues of the constituents because I, as I said, I'm definitely not an expert in this. Um, I am 22 and uh, in forestry and I think that I have a lot to learn and I'm really excited to learn from the other um, candidates and I I'm glad that you brought that up because I've been having coffee with all the candidates and whoever is elected, I'm hoping that I have a good enough relationship with them that um, say that we get a certain percentage of the vote, that means that that many people voted green. And that means that whoever is elected also represents those people that voted green. So I'm hoping to be able to keep that relationship so that even if I'm not elected this time, I can bring our issues forward that are really important. And uh, the NDP and us have 
quite a lot in common. So I'm hoping that, uh, yeah, I can work together with all the candidates, including Todd and Tracy. So, yeah. So, yeah. And, and don't don't sell your age short. You know, David Henry Thoreau uh, said mm-hmm. age is no better an instructor than youth. Uh, that there's so much that we lose in our perspective through time. I'd certainly feel very comfortable having a 22 year old MP. Now, um, it looks like we've got to go to break uh, pretty soon. So let's do our break a little early. And we come when we come back, the plastics plant. For sure. Tickets for the 2019 Hospice Dream Home are now on sale. Appraised at $640,000, this year's Dream Home is in the Nechaco View subdivision. Up to $150,000 is also up for grabs in the annual Hospice 50-50 raffle draw. Tickets for both the Dream Home Lottery and the 50-50 raffle are available at the home and at the Hospice Society office on Ferry. Full details along with other sales locations are available at hospicedreamhome.ca. The 2019 Hospice Dream Home Lottery. Next early bird draw is September 13th. Last year, professional counselors at Kids Help Phone helped kids more than one million times. Hi, I'm Jan Arden. We all have times in our lives when we face a crisis or just need someone to listen. At this very moment, a child is contacting Kids Help Phone. Maybe someone you know, maybe someone you love. We need your support to make sure there is always someone there to help. So please give. To donate, go to kidshelpphone.ca. Registration is now being accepted for the 2019 BC Indigenous Regional Basketball Camps. The Northeast Regional Camp will take place in Prince George on September 28th and 29th. Qualifying camp participants will be invited to the BC Indigenous Provincial Basketball Selection Camp November 15th to 17th in Richmond for a chance to compete in the 2020 North American Indigenous Games. Registration and full details are available online at ispark.ca. The 2019 BC Indigenous Northeast Regional Basketball Camp, September 28th and 29th in Prince George. Forecast from Environment Canada for today's sunny, a high of 18 with a high UV index. Tonight, increasing cloudiness, a low of 10. On Tuesday, cloudy, the 40% chance of showers. Rain in the afternoon with wind from the south at 20K and a high again of 18. You're listening to After 9 on 93.1 CFIS FM. All right, and we're back with uh, Mackenzie Curry, Green Party candidate for Caribou Prince George. And as promised, I'm going to hit her with the first local issue that I uh, hit the NDP candidate with, which is um, the proposed plastics plant. Um, what's, uh, what's your and your party's position on uh, the plastics plant proposal for Prince George? So my position is... Uh it's a very complex issue. I also sat down with Ken James last week and had a conversation, and we talked a lot about the issues that local residents have, talked about this uh, Facebook group that everyone is talking about, um, people bringing up issues, and I first want to acknowledge how big of a financial um, boost this would be to the economy. Uh, The thousand jobs permanently and thousands while it's being built are going to be a huge benefit. But in my opinion, there's a couple things that need to be discussed further before we um, all jump on the bandwagon. So I think that there's three issues that come to mind. Um, First is local jobs. I think they need to before it's approved, these three, three things are kind of my conditions. Uh, 
they need to be hiring locally, including Indigenous uh, people from the Clay and others. They're talking about a partnership and having equity in the business. And I think that's a good first step. But we need to make sure that we're not um, bringing in a lot of people to fill all of the jobs and hiring first locally. And he did mention that uh, we only have 20 percent of the labor that is needed for the build. So um, we will need to, if it's if it's built, um, bring in bring in other people. But I think that needs to be prioritized. The second thing is air quality. Um, That is one of the biggest issues I'm seeing in the community when I'm talking to people about it and the location. And as Heather mentioned, it's in the bowl and I don't think Prince George can do that but I also don't uh, do not have the opinion of not in my backyard kind of uh, just move it over there and everything will be fine I think that it needs to be a zero emission plant or the technology is here to make it as uh, carbon neutral and carbon free as possible and I think that uh, if we can get people to the moon we can figure out a way to make it zero emission or, or very close to And the third thing is um, the plastic. I definitely am not in support of building more single-use plastics. And if you ask him, um, they can't promise that the plastic pellets that we're going to ship by rail to Prince Rupert and then ship to Asia are not going to be built for single-use plastics. Um, We did talk a little bit about the markets and how we are in a decline of single-use plastics, but um, I, I want guarantee that it's not going to just be built into something that is going to be in our landfill for thousands and thousands of years in 50 years when the thing breaks or if it's shampoo bottles. So those are kind of the three things that are at the top of my mind that I'm hearing from the community. So why is fracking not on your list? Um, 23% of Canada's emissions come from the use of fossil fuels to extract fossil fuels. Yeah. 100%, according to the plant's own business plan, 100% of the LNG, of the, pardon me, of the NG, of the natural gas Mm -hmm. used in this plant will be fracked. Yes. So, surely this is, you're opposed to fracking. I am, yes. (laughs) So, so where would, where would the materials to make the plastic come Mm -hmm. from? Yeah, they would all be coming from fracked gas, which I'm not in support of. So that is definitely... So surely you're against the plant then. Like there's no way to support there being a plastics plant that has no materials. Yeah. I also want to... Uh, I don't know. It's it's complex. And I think that uh, as we transition off fossil fuels, if we're not building new pipelines and we're making value-added products from things that are already built that is the, that is the rhetoric that i'm hearing from the from the company and um i want to acknowledge that but i think that we need to transition as fast as possible off of products like this so it's definitely uh i, I will add it as my fourth point because but i don't but think it's, that i mean it's i mean it's one thing to express conditional approval mm-hmm. um why would you frame the use of fracked gas in terms of conditional approval rather than opposition yeah, I think it, I'm opposed to fracked gas and the Green Party is um, always provincially and federally. And I think that uh, the impacts that we see from it are absolutely detrimental. And a lot of people are not taking that seriously. We, they've approved it uh, provincially with the NDP and um, we see flip flopping from other parties uh, the NDP federally, so um, the Green Party has always been very much against yes, it. Yes, and one so. would think that the Green Party yeah. would take an absolute, uncompromising, hard line. So, does this? How is this not a hard line against the, a plant that only uses fracked gas? Um, I think that 
the community members that are in support of it are looking for stable jobs because of forestry curtailments and the thousand jobs and thousands while it's being built sound really good. So I think that um, I definitely want to listen to everyone and figure out alternatives for their jobs. And so let, let's talk about those alternatives. Mm-hmm. Now, um, is the Green Party of Canada putting forward a Green New Deal or a, a New Green Deal or however you want to arrange <laughs> those words? And uh, if so, how much do you propose to spend? We have put forward our climate plan. It's called Mission Possible. Um, and it's a 20-point plan of how we're going to transition off fossil fuels and uh save ourselves from the climate crisis as fast as as fast as possible um the huge thing in that is job transition and transferable skills and free trade school university and college to get people educated on how they can use their skills they already have to do things like massive retrofitting projects and um i don't off the top of my head have the the exact number um of how much it will cost just like bernie sanders mm. um 16 billion i believe or mm, something like that yeah trillion trillion yeah so i uh don't have that number off the top of my head but i can find out for you but um yeah, our 20-point plan is more progressive than the Green New Deal that's proposed in the States and more progressive than other parties' plans in Canada. We have a 60%. Um, we're, we want to double the target. Right now, we're at 30%, and we want to double it to 60 um, uh, before 2005 levels uh, by 20 20- 50 i believe so um or 2030 <laughs> i need to confirm yeah that. no but, that's, uh, that's your 2030 yeah. uh all so, right yeah so um uh we're gonna uh, we're gonna we're gonna go to break uh briefly um i think that uh when we come back uh we're gonna be uh, going into the term progressive here uh it's the first time i i've heard the adjective used in this part of the interview and um i'm curious to get a sense of where the greens are in the other ongoing debate the party has had as to how they situate themselves how you situate yourself on the left-right political spectrum uh after the break Together, we can improve our air quality. Right! We can follow some easy tips for cleaner burning. You're right, Bernie. Like burning a bright fire instead of choking the damper and your neighbors. And splitting and stacking firewood in the spring so it can dry through the summer. Ah, summer. If you have other heating options, don't burn on poor air quality days. Go to burnitclean.ca for more helpful tips from you, Bernie. Yeah! Be green. Burn it clean. Brought to you by the Prince George Air Improvement Roundtable. Remember when you first came out? Remember how your parents reacted? Remember your friends who treated you differently? Remember feeling alone? Remember having no one to talk to? Kids Help Phone is there to answer the call and respond online to kids across Canada. Every day, no matter what the problem, Kids Help Phone is there to help. Ensure that no call goes unanswered. Make a $10 donation to Kids Help Phone by texting 4KIDS to 30333 or visit kidshelpphone.ca slash donate. BC Culture Days are September 27th to 29th in Prince George. On the 27th, it's Dive Into Dewey at your public library, a free drop-in event where children ages 5 to 9 will have a chance to explore the library like never before. And from the 27th to the 29th, take part in a treasure hunt, the culmination of Sebastian Nicholson's Spores of Joy. For full details, visit culturedays.ca slash bc. A presentation of Two Rivers Gallery and your public library, BC Culture Days, September 27th to 29th in Prince George. George. 
Registration is now open for the 2019 BC Indigenous Provincial Canoe and Kayak Championships. The Indigenous Sport, Physical Activity and Recreation Council has partnered with the Seabird Island Band and Canoe Kayak BC to present this year's event September 21st and 22nd in Agassiz. Registration and full details are available at ispark.ca. The 2019 BC Indigenous Provincial Canoe and Kayak Championships, September 21st and 22nd in Agassiz. Registration deadline is 5 p.m. Monday. Monday, September 16th. It's after nine on 93.1 CFIS FM. And we're back for the last 10 minutes of uh, the um, uh, After 9 broadcast, our first federal election broadcast, but hopefully not our last. We're here with Green Party candidate Mackenzie Kerr. And um, uh, Mackenzie, you used the term progressive and throughout certainly during the time I was involved and pretty much throughout the party's history from the very beginnings of Die Grünen in Germany there's been a debate about whether we should think of the Greens as a party of the left whether we should call the Greens progressive um, how do you work with those terms especially in a riding that um, since 93 has consistently voted on the right of the spectrum mm-hmm. um, my personal opinion is that the Green Party is progressive. Um, and I'm forming these thoughts all on my own. <laughs> I'm not uh, directed uh, by the Green Party of, you know, say this, don't say this. We're very independent in our ability to come up with our own thoughts. And um, in my opinion, we have the most uh, progressive or uh, we can use another word if you... Um, uh, no, I'm just interested. Do you, <laughs> yeah. uh, let, let, let me test some other words. Mm-hmm. Do you see the party as left wing? Yes. Okay. Um, Would you say that the Greens are a socialist party? Mm, Yes. Okay. Uh, Well, this is the kind of green I was. There are a lot of those. (laughs) Um, The... the uh, the party is currently uh, running with a Twitter meme that states that it is neither left nor right wing. Mm -hmm. Um, How... um, how does the party and how do you handle um, that uh, that situation of some Greens being avowedly left, mm-hmm. other Greens um, clearly saying that that's the wrong way to look at things? Mm-hmm. Well, it's a wide umbrella. And that's what I really like about the Green Party is that everyone is allowed to speak their mind as long as we're all following the six core values of the Green Party, um, which I'm sure you're familiar with. Uh, then we can um, represent our constituents to the best of our ability and speak our mind and um, has have disagreements internally, and I think that that is beneficial to our democracy. So now, an issue that we often think of as provincial because of the way appurtenance legislation works, and you're a forester, so you know, you know all about this stuff. Um, uh, when John Horgan became premier, many people were surprised that he made his deputy minister um, the guy who had written a report justifying the export of raw logs. Mm-hmm. Um, to some people's surprise, perhaps not mine, the provincial government has um, increased, um, has reduced appurtenance in northwestern BC, has increased the quantity of raw logs uh, we're allowed to export, and raw log exports have increased uh, under John Horgan's watch. Is there anything that the federal government can do that you as a federal candidate can propose um, 
that can address provinces like BC that are um, exporting unprocessed raw timber. Yeah, I think the federal government needs to take a stance uh, against exporting raw logs. And I think that I'm not sure if the, the legislation would be passed provincially or federally when it comes to banning exporting raw logs. But if it's federal, I would be bringing that forward. The Green Party is in support of banning that because I think we need to keep jobs local. I wasn't able to attend the Mackenzie Matters rally because I was meeting with Ken James about the plastic plant. <laughs> need to clone myself. But uh, I definitely wish I could have been there. And I think that um, their slogan was our logs, our jobs. And I think that that is extremely important. And I agree with that. And there's um, huge importance in keeping our jobs local, keeping our mills open. And I'm obviously pro forestry. That's my career and that's my family's career. And I'm directly affected by it. And I think that uh, if we do forestry sustainably in British Columbia, we can have an amazing uh, forest industry. So I think that we can do it correctly, but we're just not right now. And uh, now we've um, we've just got about uh, four minutes to uh, wrap our show up. I'm going to try and squeak in uh, one more question. Um, there's been um, a lot of talk about uh, housing as a major federal issue and how the federal government needs to get back on the housing file. Can you give us a quick look at um, where uh, at what uh, a green government might do with the Canada Mortgage and Housing Corporation and with the housing file generally? Yeah, we need to um, really look at the Canada Housing Program and reform it because I don't think that it's uh, doing... Canadians, well, people, we have a lot of homelessness and a lot of people struggling to pay rent and rent keeps skyrocketing. A one bedroom average suite in Prince George now is like $950,000. It's unbelievable. And I think that there's really great examples of things that are getting done that are on our way there. Like uh, we just approved a hundred, um, a hundred housing units um, on First Avenue at the old NR Motors um, for low-income housing units. And um, in Quinnell, I was there this weekend reading the paper, and they've uh, put in there an idea of co-housing, um, kind of like shared resources and shared living spaces. And um, I think that that's a brilliant idea, and we need to be moving more towards uh, community housing projects instead of uh, what we're doing right now because it's not working for Canadians. Well, um, all right. Well, I, I really appreciate you coming on the show. I, I know that I'm a, a, a slightly <laughs> a slightly more hostile interviewer than uh, people uh, imagine I might be, but I think it's really important, as I said to Heather, that um, uh, people who identify as left or progressive or socialist, that we hold ourselves and we hold one another to high standards. And one of the most important standards I want to hold people to in a program like this is that we move past talking points and we talk about ideas and uh, we talk about ideas in a frank way. Now, um, we'll be off for Labor Day. Um, apparently, uh, the show just doesn't run on Labor Day. I can't claim it's my deep commitment to socialism that's got me uh, teaching an institute on Cortez Island. But we're going to be back on the 9th, and we're going to go for something quite different. We're going to be uh, bringing in Marnie Hamagami. She's the um, executive director of Theatre Northwest, and um, she'll be here to talk about, among other things, a very interesting project. Theatre Northwest has been on for a few years called Relaxed Theatre. 
in which uh, people with um, disabilities around attention, movement, sensation, and the like, people who need to move around, people who need to readjust themselves, are given access to theater. We'll be bringing in an uh, important uh, theater school researcher from uh, uh, California, Heather Ramey, who's part of uh, uh, theater faculty, to talk about some of the challenges and opportunities for performers and directors in interacting with this, um, I think, innovative and very valuable process that helps to get uh, young parents to theater, that helps to get seniors to theater, and that includes disabled people in, um, in live theater. So that's what we have to look forward to on the 9th. We'll be talking about interurban transit on the 16th. And uh, very excited to be closing out our second show of the new Monday edition of After Nine. Thank you, Mackenzie. Thank you. Produced by Alan Wishart and Kathy Travers, you've been listening to After Nine on CFIS FM. Executive producer is Reg Fair. Theme music for After Nine is the Crone song Whooping Cough. If you have an idea for a guest or event you would like to promo on the show, email CFISFM at yahoo.ca. You're listening to 93.1 CFIS-FM, proudly supported by local businesses like DDR2 Computers on 2nd Pass Queensway. Prince George five-day forecast from Environment Canada for today: sunny, a high of 18 with a high UV index. Tonight, increasing cloudiness, a low of 10. On Tuesday, cloudy, the 40% chance of showers. Rain in the afternoon with wind from the south at 20k, a high again of 18. Then sunny on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday with lows near 5 and highs around 20. The long-range forecast for Saturday: a mix of sun and cloud with a 30% chance of showers, a low of 8, a high of 23. And Sunday, cloudy, the 60% chance of showers, a low of 9, and a high of 21. Bringing back great musical memories. We are 93.1 CFIS-FM.